It's episode 1011, and it's a relevant podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, is Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Texas, downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. I don't know where you are. I know you're in the States somewhere. Houston. Uh, okay. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, and mogul, Derek Miner. What up, though? I don't know if y'all can tell, but I've got some pep in my step. I've got a smile on my face. It is my favorite time of the year. NBA basketball has is officially back. It's the back. most wonderful time of the year. We have LeBron making excuses and Russ throwing bricks <laughs> and Steph Curry shooting from the rafters. It's the- <laughs> Dude, I was walking into the arena with Cohen and singing that at almost full volume. He was so embarrassed. It was great. Was you but I was literally walking through the halls. I was walking through the halls singing it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's true. I was embarrassing my kid, man. <laughs> Who did y'all play opening night? Opening opening night, we played your Detroit Pistons in Detroit, but our home opening night, we played the Celtics on Saturday. So it's, uh, it's fun. We're back. We're back, baby. I was very excited this because the the morning after the first games were played on primetime, which was uh, a great lineup, by the way. Last which, last yeah. Wednesday, yeah, 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 with uh, the, the the Sixers and the Celtics and Golden State and the Lakers. That morning, I showed up and I was, you know, I was doing my normal kind of scrolling on on IG while I was drinking my coffee, and it was some brand I follow posted a clip of John Tesh live at Red Rocks playing round ball rock. <laughs> Now he is and he is dressed like he is uh, the proprietor of like an old Western saloon. I don't know if you guys have seen I'm going to I'm going to uh, pull up the clips and send it around um, while we talk. I mean, he he's dressed as if he or, or is if he's like really into like early 90s stage magic. He has a fantastic outfit on people. It is an electric atmosphere. For people at the at, at Red Rocks, I, ha- I I was thinking like, out of all time great live music moments, <laughs> seeing John Tesh play <laughs> round ball rock live at Red Rocks at peak, you know, John Tesh era, that has to be top five live music moments of our lifetime. So, question: you know? Have Dude, y'all heard the proposed yeah. new theme song? The the or uh, the ESPN yes, NBA? Yes, yeah, it's terrible. Do you like it? It's trash. It's trash dookie. Okay, I was going to say, I, okay, thank you. Like, I, bro. I didn't want to insult you if like your friend made it or something. <laughs> Look, I'm like, it's man, terrible. hey, listen, sometimes it's certain stuff that you just don't touch. You just, you don't touch it. You just let it just be. Like, I don't want you to change the theme music for the NBA. I want to keep it the same. Like, forever. Right. I'm talking about until we die and or until Jesus comes back, if you believe in a rapture and Jesus comes back. If they have NBA basketball in heaven, I want it to have the same theme song. Like, that's what I want. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what they're doing. 
I don't know either, man. Guys, I, I just I just shared with you guys a clip. Uh, and it, it takes a minute because John Tesh doesn't just jump right into this thing. There's a little bit of pump-up time, which is absolutely necessary. I, I encourage right, you we're play guys it right to now. watch this clip. Okay. He really does look like a stage magician. <laughs> he, yeah, he looks like, like I said, he owns he owns a saloon in the in like 1780, you know, in like Cheyenne, Wyoming, that there was a gunfight outside, and now he's getting ready to be the dealer at a high stakes cash game for poker at this saloon. What in the world am I watching? This is the NBA on NBC theme song, the 90s, man. This was the theme song of NBA basketball. John Tesh wrote it. This is one of the greatest live music performances of our lifetime. Praise, praise, praise the Lord for John Tesh. Just want to let you know. Like, <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, like, I've, I don't, we've interviewed a lot of celebrities over the years, but I've never been nervous for an interview on this podcast the way I was when we did an entire hour with John Tesh like 10 years ago. Like we literally started, I researched that thing. We did a long form podcast interview with John Tesh. It was incredible. Do you remember that, Jesse? I would, I would say it's the definitive John Tesh interview. Uh, just because oh, yeah. by virtue of him probably only been he, being interviewed uh, five or six other times. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever talked to John Tesh for a solid hour before. Um, but what a delight. What a legend. Yo. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, so so, Derek, you you probably a lot of a lot of people remember John Tesh best for his work on Entertainment Tonight back, you know, being an anchor. That's but, all I know him for. I'm gonna be honest. I had no clue right. that he wrote that song. I, I yeah. had oh yeah, dude, he's a musician. Clue. I also just just I also just went on Wikipedia and found out that he was a news anchor for WSMV in Nashville, Tennessee, before Entertainment well, Tonight. There you go. What a life. What a life. So shout out to John Tesh. And in Southern California, in our interview with him, the definitive John Tesh interview, which happened definitive. 10 or 12 years ago. Definitive. He, he told us that in, you know, in the 80s, when Top Gun was this big thing, guys playing basketball or volleyball shirtless on the beach, he actually was in a beach volleyball league with Yanni. And they played beach volleyball in Southern California shirtless. John Tesh was Top Gun, is what I'm trying to say. John Tesh is an Adonis among men. He wrote my the best song of all time. Yes, and you know, he's a legend. So it, it really basketball's is, back, baby. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. I, I encourage people if they haven't seen John Tesh live at Red Box, Red Rocks, particularly the performance of Round Ball Rock, it'll make you an NBA fan. Like, I don't care if you're yeah. completely agnostic about basketball. It will make you like want to go throw up. So, who has not said so, a thing so, in 12 so, minutes? Yeah, Emily, what, what is, what, why is basketball your favorite sport? <laughs> Here's the thing. A couple weeks ago, y'all let me talk about Harry Styles all I want. And that was great. This is y'all's Harry Styles moment. <laughs> I'm here. I support y'all. You talk about it. Hey, who goes here, sports? Here's how hard I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I, here's how hard I'm trying to get Emily to care. I took her and some other friends to the NBA draft night at the Orlando at, at Orlando's arena where we picked the number one pick Paolo Bancaro 
And like Emily was there. I was like, maybe if she can be here and experience it and get in her blood, she'll like like have fun. some interest. Yeah. She enjoyed the snacks. And, and, I want and you to know socializing. I, I posted photos. <laughs> I posted photos on my Instagram story. And I think I even put the caption like, LOL, why am I here? I had multiple friends message me. No, really, Emily, why are you at a draft event? Like, they just <laughs> know, like, why are you there? No. Um, I, I really have nothing against sports. It's just not, not for me. Um, my dad is a really big sports fan. And I think he literally prayed that his children would be sports fans. He didn't pray hard enough because my brother and I just really <laughs> couldn't care less. Your brother um, doesn't care either? But again, no. Um, we like pop culture and like music and like movies and stuff like that. But sports just kind of, which is sad. sad because we live in Texas, which is like a pretty right, big yeah. sporty state. But mm, right, yeah, yeah. Well, but again, I support you. Have your passions. I have. She's mine. like, go, go, guys, <laughs> go shoot the ball. Woo! You mentioned you're into pop culture and music, and I'm yet to hear your reaction to the the very confident statement that John Tesh performing the NBA theme song, Round Ball Rock at, at Red Rocks from the 90s, far, far outweighs every performance Harry Styles has ever even attempted. Um, Oof, I thoughts? didn't know we were sharing false news here. Um, Bro, you should have, hold on, Tom, you should have seen Emily's face when he said that. Like, she's such a, she has a great poker face. Look, it cracked for like points, point two seconds. I the get, poker but face here's was the thing. gone. She was like, my little eyebrow yes. twitch. Here's the thing. I guarantee you, if I went out on this street right here, there's people walking up and down the street, and I had my phone and I played, or I played, you know, like watermelon sugar, and I would say, which one of these songs do you recognize, and and do you think you'll you'll be listening to got a point for the there. rest of your life? Got a point. I, I'm just saying. I mean, it depends on who we're talking to as well. I will I, say that is a factor. America. I do. There is a basketball song I like. Um, back in like 2001, Aaron Post Carter Malone. released a song called oh. "That's How I Beat Shaq." I still know Emily all the words to it. Brown. That's a pretty good one. Emily Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Emily <Yes>. Shaquika Brown. <laughs> you, you, you take that back right now. <laughs> you are grounded. Aaron Carter. You are grounded. Gosh, Emily, you. Emily Shaquisha Brown. You are you are grounded. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, again, great time of year. Falls here. Weather's nice. Basketball's on. It's 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 awesome. Derek's coming down in a week or so to go to the Warriors game with me. Oh wow. We're gonna yell at Draymond Green. No, I'm fun. not yelling at Draymond Green. You don't want to get punched. You're He'll, gonna yell at Draymond right in the throat. <laughs> and I'm gonna watch He'll punch you right in the Derek's throat. Derek's just gonna stand there. <laughs> Derek's just gonna egg me yes, on. I'm gonna, that's what all I'm gonna do. do is keep the milkshakes flowing. And that's what we <laughs> <laughs> that that's a good mix with taunting Draymond Green. Yeah, that's a great combo of of ingredients. Too. I'm not trying to get punched in the face. Draymond <laughs> actually is one of the ones that he'll give it back to you playfully. Like so, he's mm-hmm. he's fun to kind of like mess with during the games. It's the guys who get all worked up and get too serious that aren't fun. Like KD and Russ and guys like that. They they just take it too seriously. If there's one thing we know about Draymond recently, it's that he's not going to get worked up and take things too seriously and escalate things. So I think <laughs> no, he's no. totally fine. It's very personal. He's oh, a Zen man. master. Well, Draymond the Zen master. One way or the other, 
It's going to be a memorable night, so we'll make sure of it. All right, we'll move the show along. We have a great show in store. Uh, Dr. Darius Daniels joins us later. He has a new book out. Um, He's a friend of the show. You know him. One of the best speakers out there. Um, Don't miss that. We also have your feedback at the end. You won't want to miss it. It's hilarious. You guys guys brought it this week. Uh, But stay tuned right now. Tyler joins us for Relevant Buzz. Listening to Taylor Swift, the song is Antihero. A very popular album in the relevant offices. <laughs> Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Glory of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen Season 4. Episodes 1 through 3 of The Chosen Season 4 are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for... Relevant Buzz. Please welcome to the show, from Paris, France, Relevant Senior Editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, Tyler. Bonjour, everybody. What's going on this week? Okay, so first up, I want to. I'm curious about everybody's thoughts on this, but I'm especially curious about Derek's thoughts on this because oh no, Derek is somebody. <laughs> yeah, no, no. This I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna get you in trouble or anything. Uh, well, I, I mean, I won't. Sp- I don't know the future. Maybe it'll get you in trouble, but I'm curious to get some of your thoughts on this because we're gonna be talking about the Grammys for a second here. Uh, okay. Now the now last year at the Grammys, the band Silk Sonic, which is the uh, like that super group, the super duo, super group uh-huh. uh, with Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack, they took home four Grammys for their single "Leave the Door Open." It was best R and B song, best R and B performance, song of the year, and record of the year. Now their album wasn't out yet, so the album wasn't eligible for any Grammys yet, but the single was already mm-hmm. out, so the single was eligible for Grammy, Grammys, and it cleaned up. Now the mm-hmm. album is out; it is eligible for this year. Grammys, but they are not submitting it for any Grammy consideration this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were asked about this by Rolling Stone. Bruno Mars was asked about this in an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, and uh, he said, "And uh, Jason, you might need to keep your uh, you, you might need a uh, you might need a trigger finger on the bleep button here. I'm not sure. Just see, but uh, but this might be a little bit relevant <gasps> after dark here." But uh, Bruno Mars said, we truly put our all on this record, but Silk Sonic would like to gracefully, humbly, and most importantly, sexually bow out of submitting our album this year. We hope we can celebrate with everyone on a great year of music and partake in the party afterwards. Thank you for letting Silk Sonic thrive. Um, so nothing to, you know, sounds like no hard feelings there. They weren't, right. they weren't mad. They, you know, nobody was saying anything bad about it. But this does join sort of a little bit of a small, but pretty significant broader movement of artists who don't seem interested in Grammys anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, for example, Frank Ocean does not submit his, does not involve in the Grammys anymore. He does not submit any of this, anything that he does to the Grammys. The Weeknd very publicly took his album out of Grammy consideration. Uh, he says he's boycotting them all together. Uh, those 
guys have accused the Grammys of racial bias in the past. Now that didn't come up in the statement from Silk Sonic, but it's hard not to make to look at this and say it looks like it's part of a broader trend of artists being like, I'm just not sure the Grammys are important to my career anymore. I don't know that it would do anything for me. Derek Minor, two time Grammy winner, Derek Minor, what are your thoughts? <laughs> it might be hard because I'm actually on the, the board here in Nashville for the Grammy uh Grammy. So I'll give yeah, no, I'm not gonna get in trouble at all because they know I, I always keep it real. So, um, to me, the Silk Sonic thing doesn't seem like doesn't seem like a boycott thing. It feels more like the wave is over. Because think about it: if you just cleaned up four Grammys for a song, and but the album wasn't eligible, like when's the last time y'all put Silk Sonic on and, and vibe to it, right? So, to me, it feels like more like okay, we won. You know, we may not have won with the album, but we already won for this collective body of work. The world has somewhat moved on from the Silk Sonic thing because we also know Grammys are a popularity contest. Like it's based on votes. It's based on people voting. So if I was in the same position, I may would think the same way that, you know what, maybe I might just want to the story for this is that we won four Grammys off of this record as opposed to we won four. Then we came back again being greedy for seconds and then we didn't win any. So to me, that feels that way. I think uh, as far as the people boycotting the Grammys, I mean, like everything has some validity, man. Like the Grammys, a huge organization and they get it wrong and they got it wrong a couple of times and people didn't. People didn't take kindly to it. And, you know, there, but one thing I can say about the Grammys, at least I can say the Nashville chapter, is they took the feedback and they tried to adjust. So when you look at our chapter, our chapter in Nashville is one of the most diverse chapters, I think, just period. I mean, you got all different colors, all different ages. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty diverse. Uh, people and we speak and, and and all those different things. So, uh, is there room for improvement and growth? Absolutely. But I mean, the reality is, it's just in America. Is there room for improvement and growth in diversity in America? Absolutely. So, the the Grammys are not excluded from <laughs> the the desire, the need to diversify and grow. Like they're not excluded. It's yeah. it's what it is. You know. Can I ask a question about that? Yeah. The uh the so like for the with the Oscars for example you see studios choose to release movies at a time when they think is going to be favorable to Oscar voters it's going to be like fresh on their minds if uh-huh. we release a movie in November December that's when people are kind of thinking about the Oscars so we'll drop it then for the voters uh-huh. you said the Grammys can be kind of a popularity contest and maybe Silk Sonic felt like they missed the window with the album but not with the mm-hmm. single. Does that factor into like album release schedules? Are people thinking about Grammy voters when they decide when the album is actually going to drop? I think some do for sure. I, I think those that know they have the engine to be able to create that kind of wave. I think, I think they do like a lot of the, the labels, especially with, especially when it comes to breaking new artists and uh, artists that, you know, that have a trajectory that looks really, really good. I could definitely see them them using that. Like people can say what they want to say about Grammys and its relevance, but there's no. I mean, it it is the Grammys. It's still relevant. Um, but we also live in a world where some people like Drake. I mean, he's the biggest artist. Like he's one of the biggest artists. Period. You know what I'm saying? 
in history to ever make music. So maybe to him, the Grammys may not have the level of relevancy that, uh, you know, that we would want it to. But for others, man, shoot, a Grammy is still a life changing uh, award in the right category. You get album of the year or new artist of the year. It could really change your life. Uh, still well, relevant mm-hmm. for sure. And I, I feel like to their credit, they're actually one of the award shows. that's actually still kind of fun to watch for because sure. Because they'll do these, you know, kind of live collaborations and sort of montage, you know, like yeah. they'll bring some unexpected artists together where when you watch the Oscars these days, it is it's such rough. a snooze. You know what I mean? Like it's, rough. It, it, it's, it's like, I'd rather watch a PTA meeting. Like, you know, it, it is one of those things where at least the Grammys have kept it entertaining because music's supposed to be fun, you know? Yeah, I, I think some of it, too, is also the medium, you know, like the Grammys, because it's music, it's allowed. I mean, it, live performances are a part of it. So regardless of what you feel about the awards, you get to see these crazy live performances that are dope. Yeah. Like, What can the Oscars do to besides the awards and, and say this person won and that person did it? I don't know what they could add. They should make them act out scenes live on stage, from, <laughs> you know, make the actual actors perform them as as stage plays yeah when they do sound editing i i want to see a full fully stage and i want to see foley artists doing all the sound effects up there i mean you know yes. that's, that's what we want yeah, i want to see the two coconuts you know for the horse <laughs> wow what, give him an award that's amazing <laughs> look at this man or yeah, woman. i don't i don't know how i don't know how you adapt but you know that's what the grammys and that's what music has is man you can never replace the live performance the live performance of music is always going to be relevant i don't care metaverse or whatever like it's something electric about seeing people able to to perform their music live and have that connection and that's what the edge that that the grammys has on the other award shows in my the, opinion the only the the only fun thing about, and I had forgotten about the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing, but the only fun thing about the Oscars is when like the host is roasting actors who never, he, who, who are surrounded themselves by people who just puff themselves up and you have like a, just some, you know, wicked, you know, some host just like totally roasting people and they just have to sit there with a grin on their face and take it. Like that's, yeah, that's the only fun thing about those. Yeah, that's the yeah exactly. It's, it's like okay, let's not take these people too seriously. I feel like musicians, sort of as a default, a lot of them don't already take themselves to like they they still remember that listening to music is fun. Mm-hmm. Like some of the Oscar movies feel like you're watching homework too. You know what I mean? True. Like some of them is like, oh gosh, man, I, I got to find two and a half hours to watch this. You know, this critically acclaimed you know war reflection film. It's like where with the Grammys, it's like any any album that you know wins a Grammy, it's like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop that on. I, yeah. I you know I just gonna vibe out. You know? Yeah, and I think too like the Oscars where they where they blown it, and I, I don't think camera may disagree with this but you know like you can't exclude a whole genre of a film that people love and say hey we're not gonna even we're gonna discriminate against this like the superhero and the action movies or whatever you know what yeah. i'm saying like you like people like that stuff like you have to you you people want to tune in to see their heroes win so like you know I, if 
I'm not tuning into the Oscars if I already know, you know, hey, I like Spider-Man, but I know he doesn't even have a, a snowball's chance in hell of winning anything. So it's like, why would I watch? My favorite thing is is not going to even get a shot at, at anything. Like Top Gun Maverick was the biggest movie of the year for sure, but it is not going to win Best Picture. No. Not at all. But here's here's what would help the Oscars. If they force the actors, they don't have to reenact scenes, but they force them to go in costume and in character. Okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Tom Cruise. cosplay situation? Exactly. Yeah. No, but they're yeah. actually in, they're in character for the entirety of the ceremony for whatever film they're nominated okay, for. Okay, that's pretty funny. I, you're telling That'd me you're not watching that? <laughs> so if they accept, they have to accept as the character. Yes, as, I mean, the, as, yeah, yeah. I just feel like that And would then make, they could have a, a roving mic kind of do some crowd work and all that kind of stuff. That could be, that would be entertaining, you know? That's so what, what I'm saying. Right. What Everyone if you like The Rock it. and you have like six movies coming out this year. Whichever like, one you're nominated you for. Well, The yeah. Rock plays the same yeah, character. The in Rock movie, is The Rock. So it's yeah. really fine. Yeah. It, he can do a he can do a costume change and just change out his brown button down shirt. Hold on. He's wearing tights now. Fine. He has some tights on. Right. Ooh, he'll do he'll do the black tights <laughs> under the the cargo pants and the the button down olive green shirt. I feel yeah. like I feel like this. If actors knew they had to show up to an award in character, they would probably select roles a little differently. You know, like <laughs> Andy Circus isn't going to be taking as many CGI roles if he knows <laughs> yeah. that he has to. <laughs> yeah, Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Does he just has come out to come in the, as the Hulk? <laughs> or do they have to? Do they come out in a mocap fit like with the the green things or the little or it's like when yeah it's like when Benedict Cumberbatch or like one for small or whatever that dragon nerd thing from one of the <laughs> Hobbit nerd movies like he would have to crawl around in the motion capture like that little wetsuit with the ping pong balls and on all fours I'm telling you he would make it so much more watchable. Dang. It's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else? What else do you have, Tyler? We're going to do a little bit of myth busting. Uh, I, you know, I've, I'm always I'm always a fan of, of, of taking some media narratives that emerge and, and poking holes in them. And I, and I want to see. And this one is just so ridiculous. I'm sure that, you know, the relevant podcast listeners, nobody has fallen for for this uh, story that's going around. But I still think it's worth tackling and kind of seeing where this one comes from. Has anybody heard this this story or this rumor or this line? about cat bo- about litter boxes in public high schools. Do you guys know what I'm talking about here? I I, uh, I, no. I do know what you're referring to. Yeah. Okay. I, I, so, I have no clue, but I have a, a feeling that it's some weird white people stuff. So very okay. so very briefly, because we don't need, I don't think we need to, like I said, I think most people can see right through this one, but a line has been passed around. It's been, according to an NBC News investigation, 20 politicians have now parroted this line about how public schools have gotten so off the rails these days and teachers are so like into the, you know, trying to be mamby-pamby with their little moral relativist students that if a kid chooses to identify as a cat they have put a litter box in the public high school restroom to accommodate this person's you know their identification as a cat now obviously this is not true Uh, this nbc investigation has found no evidence that there are any litter boxes in any high schools that probably isn't surprising to you they're actually that's that i should i need to restate that they did actually find evidence (laughs) 
<laughs> and this one, this is actually a little bit sad, but it's true. Uh, there is a school in Jefferson County in Colorado, which has been storing small quantities of cat litter in go buckets since 2017, along with candy for diabetic students, a school map, flashlights, wet wipes, and first aid items in case of a school shooting. So there is some suggestion that that might have been where the, you know, somebody said there's cat litter in this public high school because, and this is the, this is actually the district where Columbine is, uh, but there was, you know, that there's calendar in the schools. That's what's getting passed around. Somehow some Colorado politician turns it into a thing and it starts. So cat, cat litter is to clean up blood, right? That's the point of the cat litter is they had it in the corner of the classroom. So like if there's a lockdown because of school shooting situation, there's candy for diabetics and there's a go bucket for students who have a bathroom emergency because they're being locked down because of a shooting. So like one school in the country has this as an emergency preparation thing and conservatives have turned it into liberalization of yeah, we should probably bring this up in the next presidential debate. This seems like an issue that, you know, <laughs> the cat litter, the single, it, the single instance of cat litter and go buckets. Yeah. yeah but, but again, yeah. It, all, they, they, that's just a microcosm of a lot of quote unquote hot button issues that no one actually deals with that. Every, you know what I mean? Like, right. like mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, you could name various ones that, you know, people act like are this big deal that suddenly are part of the national dialogue when the train of immigrants coming up the Central America, yeah, they're going to storm army. our border. Yeah, remember uh, the fear mongering yeah. around all that? Yeah, I mean, or, like, or, or just something like <laughs> you know, critical race theory and you know, elementary school curriculum, like things that it's just uh, objectively, this isn't something that you know people are encountering but if you kind of inject it into the narrative it seems to take over whether or not their the evidence supports it actually being an issue that people are dealing with you know right so that's what we're here for is to myth bust we're gonna take those so so at thanksgiving dinner when your crazy uncle brings up the litter boxes you now dear listener are informed of how to rebut him and put him in his place so there you exactly. go exactly that's right now you've got, you've got the tools you need and we and all sorts of other tools relevantmagazine.com this is a this this is kind of a, a hobby horse that we do get on there because i think it's important and joe rogan said this actually on his podcast and he and he said it as as a fact as something that he knew to be true and these are people that people take seriously so if if something sounds as always if something sounds too crazy to be true it probably is and you can find out what the real truth is by going to relevantmagazine.com where we have <laughs> surely debunked <laughs> nice plug. surely debunked it <laughs> All right. What else do you have? I did want to give a shout out to our friends Colony House. Colony House has a new album in the works, and they released their new single called Landlocked Surf Rock. It's a good tune uh, that I enjoyed. Here's a clip. Uh, always looking forward to a new album from those guys. There you go. Well, before we wrap this segment, we have some news, listeners. Uh, this is Tyler's last Relevant Buzz as part of the podcast. He is moving on from Relevant after 10 years of creating amazing content with us, amazing memories. Uh, he's moving on to his next career chapter, and we just want to thank him publicly for everything he's poured into this place, and we're going to miss you a lot, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Cameron, and thanks you guys. This is all, this is a, one of my favorite I mean, parts of the job, and love the listeners, and obviously love this team and the staff. And it's been a fun, it's been a fun ride. It's been a lot of fun. Looking forward to see what comes next for y'all. Uh, I appreciate you letting me hang out here for as long as you have. Wait, oh, Tyler, you're leaving? 
<laughs> so yeah, Emily, we need to have a meeting. Relax. Emily, there's a meeting. I've been making quick, that we jump for weeks so and it's up, yeah. still quick, quick. so funny to me. <laughs> Emily, when you're Emily, when you're when you guys get done with the recording, just can you hit me up on the Slack real fast? Yeah, I we have some things to chat about. Tyler, man. Yeah. Well, well, obviously we'll we're we'll stay in touch, but uh No, no, no. He'll be dead to all of us. Nope. Change my number. Won't be easy to find anymore. He's abandoning us. Well, in that case, um, I'm glad one of your last slices was about fake uh, litter boxes. So (laughs) (laughs) that feels right. I wanted something right. right. Went down. Went down with a bang. Yeah. Went down. He went down the way he came in. (laughs) Talking about litter boxes and (laughs) (laughs) doing what he loves. All right, man. We wish you the best. Yeah, man. Thanks for everything. Yeah. Stay tuned. Up next, everyone. Darius Daniel joins us. Listen to Bobbing and Maddie J. The song is Marie. Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad free. You get ad free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives, our beautifully designed digital issue, and a little more. Uh, check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Well, our guest today is Dr. Darius Daniels. He's a pastor and certified emotional intelligence specialist who helps people self-optimize without self-destructing. And I can vouch this man is a friend. Uh, Emily spoke with him about finding your greater purpose in life and how you can stay on your own track while not making comparisons to the people around you. Here's our conversation with Dr. Darius Daniels. Um, we're here to talk about your new book, which is called Your Purpose is Calling. So um, I'd love to start off with maybe just talking about what the general idea of the book is about. Yeah, you know, the name is a bit deceptive. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to call the book, Who Do You Think You Are? <laughs> <laughs> a little more direct. <laughs> a little more direct, but I think that the publisher was right that we needed to probably explore a different different title. But the the... The emphasis is on the word. I mean, purpose is important, but the emphasis is on the word your. Mm. Your, because the subtitle is your difference is your destiny. And so the book really has in mind people like me or people who are going through a season like me, where you are kind of questioning your own contribution, where you were um, really tempted to conform to like whatever was popular, quote unquote, successful in culture, those who kind of wondered if what you have and who you are is actually enough. Mm. You know? <laughs> and um, I, I have been there. I've, I've been there recently. And I really wanted to write a book that was almost like a reflection of my journey 
what I kind of went through to move from that place to where I feel like I am now and to help people understand that you are enough and that you haven't been created just to make a difference in the world. You've been created mm. to make your difference. You mentioned that this is something that you'd kind of recently been on. Can you go a little more into what happened? I began to experience what, and I use this word loosely, but what some people would call in our circles a degree of success or maybe fruitfulness mm. or influence, et cetera. But one of the things that I learned is like, as I became richer in like, quote unquote, fruitfulness, I didn't become equally richer in fulfillment. So it's like fruitful, but I felt like th something is still missing here. And I kind of went on this internal journey of trying to figure out what is it like? Why do I feel like something's missing? And it was it was weird because I, I feel like I was like grateful and frustrated at the same time. You know, like I didn't want to be unappreciative and ungrateful of what God had chosen to do with my life. Yet at the same time, I didn't want to be disingenuous because it's like I'm still feeling a degree of frustration. I feel like something's missing and there's something that's missing is not more of this other stuff. Whatever this mm -hmm. other stuff is like influence platforms, et cetera. It's like, I know more of this won't fix that. Like, I, I don't know of another one to get on. You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. I'm like I've been on all of them. And uh, one of the things that I just really did, man, is I, I just went on this journey. And obviously I had coaches and, you know, spiritual leaders in my life. that kind of helped me um, see that to a part. It was well-meaning. But I was dealing with what I call like some authenticity repression. What does that mean? It just means that I don't think I was bringing my full. I wasn't bringing my full authentic self. And me was like, you know, my, my authentic self might not work. You know, I like to think I don't I don't want people to have to leave their brains in the car when they come into church. And, you know, <laughs> and I want to talk about things that aren't that are actually impacting people's lives. And then I always inspire and you know, just, you know, just inspiring. And, and just kind of went on that journey, discovered what the disconnect was, and then had to conjure up the courage to actually make the pivot. And through a series of events, I was able to do that. I'm so grateful for, because now I'm in a season of my life where I see fruitfulness, but there's fulfillment. You know, it's so interesting to hear you talk about that because it seems like or it's clear that there's like a multi-step process. Like first you had to identify there was something wrong, then identify what you wanted to change. And then, like you said, have the courage to do it. So I want to talk about that courage part. You know, where did you find the strength to do that? Because I think a lot of people, they want to do something new, but they get really scared and they get really wrapped up and they just end up not doing it. Of course, courage in Christ. So I'm not diminishing that. That's important. But I also found it in community. I found it in my relationships. And this is what I mean. I was amazed at how when I got, when I became aware of what was happening in me and when I articulated that to people that I love and trusted, that there were some of them, not all, and that's a different conversation, <laughs> but there were some of them who saw that, 
who recognized that, who affirmed that, and were really great at encouraging that. And so I think my courage was conjured up from the community, the people I, I was in relationship with and being vulnerable and transparent with. And that just kind of gave me what I need. I'm not saying it diminished the fear. I'm not saying it even decreased the fear, but it it encouraged me to to take some steps in spite of fear. I think that that is something um, that a lot of people really wrestle with. You know, they have this idea, they feel like it's where they need to be going and someone that they do trust or they, they had trusted at some point tries to discourage it or just voices some concerns. And how do you balance um, listening to someone's caution, but still moving forward with confidence in what you're doing? For me, some of the voices that had different opinions were like I said, proven voices in my life, meaning they, they demonstrated a genuine interest and love for me. So I listened and I considered, mm -hmm. but then I had to be emotionally honest with myself mm -hmm. and say, now after taking an and because I felt like they loved me greatly, their words weighed heavily on me. I mm -hmm. seriously took them into consideration. There are some people's words I didn't, that didn't weigh as heavily because mm -hmm. I, it was it was i didn't think they know enough knew enough about me to have an educated perspective or they haven't hadn't demonstrated that they had a genuine interest and love for me but for those that did i weighed i considered and then i just had to be intellectually and emotionally honest with myself and say okay have i done what i think to be the wise and the biblical thing and that is to get counsel mm -hmm. but it is counsel it's what it is. Mm. I'm accountable for the decision that I made. And I had to be intellectually and emotionally honest and say, now that you've gotten counsel and you got various perspectives, let them contribute to the decision that you make, but don't let them determine the decision that you make. Because well, yeah. ultimately, you are the one, Darius, in your family that has to deal with the consequences or lack thereof of this decision so that would kind of be my my encouragement my advice to people kind of don't weigh all voices equally mm -hmm. but even when it comes to those voices that weigh the most let them contribute but not determine the decision that you make That was Dr. Darius Daniels. Make sure to stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback. Listening to Bibio and Olivier St. Louis, the song is SOL. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week we asked you, uh, I don't know how we got on the topic. Do you guys remember? Oh, we were talking about the iHeart Hot Youth Pastor. Oh, yeah. I was in Costa Rica, so I missed the show. Yeah. 
Um, uh, unfortunately, a youth pastor crazy. handed out these I Heart Hot Youth Pastor stickers to his youth yeah. students. Yeah. I so. heart hot youth pastors. He gave these stickers out to his youth group I and parents, love of course. Hot youth pastors. Yeah, imagine your yeah. youth pastor handing that to your fourteen-year-old self. The the meme, the, like, there's a meme. Again, some people had a problem with this. Some snowflakes out there. There's a thing on TikTok where like guys will wear like a shirt that's or like college guys will wear a shirt that says like I love hot moms, and then like they'll film them going out and like is talking to older, you know, middle-aged ladies or whatever, moms. whatever. It's a thing. So the. So this youth pastor thought he would tap into that and he did a I heart hot youth pastors and he made stickers of it and it went as badly as you could imagine. Here's where we landed on it. We could only determine if this was really offensive by by observing the hotness of the youth pastor. If he was low on that scale, we would determine it was harmless, ironic. If he's hot, we got a problem here. That's 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 where we landed. Derek, on Derek, he was so, like in his mid thirties and married and stuff. Like, like it was just not a smart, yeah, not a smart thing at all. And it went but very badly does he, anyway. Does, does he not realize that that there's like a bunch of investigations with youth pastors? He does and now. Their their kids. <laughs> yeah, it was just stupid all the way around. So hey, we asked you guys the weirdest thing. Now maybe not. <laughs> we didn't want to go there where Derek was going. But this is the weirdest thing your youth pastor ever did when you were growing up. You guys hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcasts, and there are some wild stories. Why do All youth right. pastors exist? <laughs> Jeremy said that the weirdest thing was he had a youth pastor dress up as Marty McFly, wig included, for a special, quote, sermon illustration based on Back to the Future. He says, we even had a DeLorean in the parking lot, which was actually pretty cool. I'm going to venture to say this. Sermon illustrations do nothing to drive home point. Like you could just tell me how this relates to the film Back to the Future without being dressed up by Martin McFly and driving DeLorean to church. I'm going to go as far as to say is that sermon illustrations are basically the prop comedy of theology. They're just, <laughs> it, it shows, it, it shows you're, you're reaching a little. Like no one thinks Carrot Top is a great comedian or Gallagher was a great comedian because they had to, re, you know, they had a trunk full of props that they were utilizing the whole time. Pastors do not be the Carrot Top of preaching. You, yeah. This is, this is totally unnecessary here. So Ike, the Cinco says he take taking kids across the country in a van for two weeks and wouldn't tell anyone, even the parents, where they were going. So you got kidnapped is what you're saying. <laughs> I told Cameron I was nervous about this question because I was like, we're going to uncover something illegal and I'm going to feel responsible like I need to call the cops. And I saw that one and I was like, this is a kidnapping and crossing state lines. I assume the kids. They don't finish the story, so I hope they're okay. Uh, Becky Berg said that uh, her youth pastor pretended to shoot a girl that he didn't know with a BB gun at summer camp. But then he actually did shoot her with the BB gun. And so they had to call the pastor and sent the, the youth pastor home from summer camp. And then... He also painted the floor of the gym and painted himself into a corner. So I'm thinking this wasn't the smartest, smartest of youth pastors. Uh, this guy yeah. doesn't think things through. Yeah, this yeah. Th that seems I'm, like I'm, two I'm, pretty big strikes. Either one of those, uh, <laughs> you know, should have been final straw there. You know, I think even just having pretended to shoot uh, a teenager, I think is a, is a pretty especially big a visiting one that he didn't even know. Like, why are you picking on the new girl? Anyway, uh, John said that he was a part of a small church and they had a youth bowling trip 
and two of the girls met some guys there and decided to leave with them. But the youth pastor wasn't having it. So he loaded the rest of the youth group into a van and an actual car chase ensued down the interstate for 30 miles. He never did get the girls to come back with us. That feels like a movie that I would watch. I'll be honest. Uh, Sergio said his youth pastor just talked nonstop about how he didn't like the teens. So (laughs) maybe you should change your line of work. That that checks out. Yeah. We've all been there. Sam Waldron says I was in college helping at a fifth and sixth grade week of church camp in Kentucky. Kentucky is different. Y'all just before we just, just look, can we just pin it? Kentucky is like borderline Florida. But look at going. Um, the Florida pastor, with hills. That's what it is. It's Florida with hills. Right. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So the youth pastor threw a fake rapture and told the volunteers to play along. At 12 a.m., the power turned off and they corralled the kids outside. And a cosplay of Gabriel read off the names of the campers who were already saved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the most traumatic thing. Fifth and sixth grade. Also, how do you Fifth pick which grade. kid is saved and which one isn't? <laughs> that one kid mouthed off a little bit in the van on the way there. So Straight to hell. He's, yeah. It's arguably the most spiritual manipulative thing that you could possibly do to someone is, is staging an angelic intervention into their life. Dog, this is so bad. It's funny. I'm not even laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because this is traumatic. Like, it's like, what, what in the world? Yeah. I know all of these responses. Y'all, I hope y'all are all in some good therapy because this is rough. Yes. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, all things considered, you know, Casey's story seems kind of charming. They said, we did a youth event uh, that was zombie themed. We choreographed the thriller dance during a dinner. Some parents took their kids and left. We grew up in Church of Christ. Dancing in church was definitely not allowed. I I, I feel like I need some more context here, but I'm just glad you guys pulled it off, Casey. And the fact that you got some of those fuddy-duddy parents to to leave, you don't want... If they can't handle a thriller dance, you don't want them in there. Thriller does feel bold for a church... That's uh, especially a church, for, for church of Christ. Yeah. Church of Christ. You don't go from no dancing to straight thriller. You got to like, you, there's a lot of steps in between those. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, it's anyway. a lot. All right. Well, there is a lot more where that came from. For real. I second what Emily said. Get y'all in therapy. Cause, uh, yeah, you guys had some weird church experiences. Um, so, anyway, all right, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. So, you know, hey, fall is in the air. Basketball is on TV. Means one thing: Halloween's here. That's what it means. So, we want to know. We want to do a little crowdsource help for y'all. We want to. We want you know to think of help you think of some last minute Halloween costume ideas. You know, maybe you got invited to a party at the last minute. You didn't have time to go to the store get the generic. You know, spirit Halloween whatever. You want to do something a little bit more original, some a little more creative, a little more now. So we want to ask you what is what are you doing? Like what's some good ideas for a 2022 Halloween costume? It could be a pop culture reference. It could just be some creative thing. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and tell us your best 2022 grown up. I don't want to say adult. That's weird. Don't go there. I'm just saying, like, we're not talking little kid costumes. We're talking the ones that we would wear. <laughs> Listen, right? I'm interested. I'm interested in whatever people want to send. Me, okay. No, I have to see the tweets, so I would like a filter. Actually. Don't send the news, please. I'm just curious. That's all. It's just curiosity. 
All right. So Halloween costume ideas for our listeners to, to wear, not for kids. Anyway, hit us up on Twitter at Rolling Podcast. We'll read our favorites next week and we'll, we'll just crowdsource this thing and help you all out. I, I remember we did this a few years ago and somebody said that they were going as a bunch of grapes and they just blew a bunch of purple balloons and taped them all over their body and they went as a bunch of grapes. And I was like, that's a great idea. It cost them like a dollar, you know, good for them. I mean, it's fine, but I mean, I would just say, no, that person just taped balloons to them. That's not, I mean, that's fine, I guess, but like. I saw a TikTok this week of a girl dressed up as a croc. She built like a, a like a life-size, not a life-size croc, like a body-sized croc, and she wore it. She couldn't turn to the side, but it was very interesting. Man, I do not get why crocs are so big with high schoolers and middle schoolers all of a sudden. Like, it is like. And, what and is going nurses, on? It seems like and dental <laughs> hygienists. When I walk in, it seems like they people just, work in kitchens. They've always worn black Crocs and stuff. No, I'm saying like at my son's school, man. It's like it's like you pin all these little things yeah, on them, things and like it's just like you customize your Crocs. There's a Croc store at our mall, and it was just like you, Cohen couldn't believe it. Like his mind back. was blown. What a comeback! You know, comeback of the century. And yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, people counter them out. They were the laughing stock, and now, like, you can buy, you know, post Malone, you know, exclusive drops on like StockX. Good yeah. for Crocs for just, you know, powering through. You know, there, there, there's <laughs> there's that's there's a business no strategy. Just power through. There, there's no change, there, Yeah, Jinko yeah. jeans. You'll be fine, Ugg boots. You'll be fine, Ugg Boots. Just stick in the game, okay? I don't think Ugg Boots went anywhere. It's it's auto, it's Christian Autumn Girl Summer. They are Autumn Girl right now. Anyway, all right. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Dr. Darius Daniels for joining us today. Make sure to check out his latest book. It's called Your Purpose is Calling. It's available now. Also, make sure to head over to relevantmagazine.com every day to check out our latest content covering the intersection of faith, life, and culture. You can also see our new fall issue featuring conversations with Dayglow, Regina Hall, N.T. Wright, and much more. Also, hey, if you're still listening, hopefully you like the show. And if you do, tell people about it. Wherever you listen, rate it and review it. Share the podcast and put in your stories. Tell people about the new episodes. Uh, help us get word out. Um, we love seeing the feedback and, uh, you know, it helps the algorithm, you know, when you guys engage it. So there you go. <laughs> okay, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Emily Brown. I'm Derek Miner. We'll see you next time. Have a great week, everyone. Go Magic. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on The Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. Listen, I'm interested. I'm interested in whatever people want to send in. Okay. Relevant Podcast Network.
Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep. Thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep. I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow. That's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.